0: Church is like going to the gym. Hard to go sometimes, but you're never sad you went. (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you, Lord, for this unspeakable gift that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing what you've done, what you continue to do, what you will do. We love you. We thank you for teaching us today, helping us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so that the peace which surpasses all understanding will manifest totally in our lives and we can walk in victory in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) All right, then. Uh, Receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the most important decision you'll ever make. Everything to do with your eternal destiny. Your eternal address has to do with the decisions that you make regarding the Son of God in this life. In John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees, a good man, teacher of the law, a preacher of the Jews back in Jesus' time. And he came to Jesus at night one time. See the opening chapter verses of the the Gospel of John. And I'm going to get to the third verse here in a second. But he said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. What does that imply to you? And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. He admitted, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He didn't ask him a question, just came and admitted that they knew who he was. He was a believer, sort of. A lot of people believe that Jesus is who He is, and that He. James said, "You believe in one God. Good. So does the devil, and he trembles." <laughs> so apparently, it's not enough just to know He exists and know who He is. right? Man came to Him at night. He was afraid of other men, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. We know how that works. Fear of man brings a snare. A snare for the devil. We know who you are, but if I said this in in the middle of the synagogue with all my fellow teachers of the law there, I'd suffer persecution. Same thing that caused Peter to deny the Lord three times that night. Fear of man. I'd be rejected amongst my peers. I know, you're, I know who you are, but I, I, I built my life around some things that you don't approve of. I'm, I'm afraid of the loss I would incur, you see. I don't trust you to give me better than what I've already got. <clears throat> Pride. But in John 3, 3, he said, Jesus just stopped him. He didn't even act he like, his answer didn't even act like he heard him what he said. He did that a lot. Because he saw right through that. He's going to cut to the chase. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I mean, really, I'm telling you the truth now, listen. (laughs) I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm using the King James mostly today because it's very important foundational stuff and people need to know that it's the truth and uh, sometimes religious minds if it don't come from the King James they won't hear it so we're going to say that say unless you're born again you can't even see the kingdom of God in other words you <laughs> you can say what you want but unless my father calls you <laughs> unless you he's given you to me then you You're just talking anyway. You're not saved until you've been converted. This point about being born again, there's something that we used to sort of explain it. It's called the Roman road. You ever heard that? Maybe when you're growing up, if you were a church person, I I was sort of just a heathen. So I didn't know about the Roman road until just some years back. We call it the Roman Road to Salvation. The book of Romans is a beautiful picture of grace that Paul writes. Profound, amazing picture of grace. Starts at the beginning and takes it all the way through. And the days when the Roman Empire was at its greatest, it conquered most of the known world. It One of the things that helped to do that, it developed a road system. They went out, they used to say all roads lead to Rome, because they started from Rome and went out to all the conquered nations and major cities of all of the places that they were over, you see? Made it easier for their armies to get around for starters, and then for commerce and everything. So it was just a good thing. But there's a Roman road here about salvation in the book, the book of God, the word of God. Starts off in Romans 3.10, Paul tells us, uh, first of all, let's just get this straight. There's no one righteous, not one. (laughs) So all all those Pharisees and legalists who thought that they had done something to earn favor with God, he said, first of all, let me tell you, none of you are any good in God's eyes as far as being good enough for God on your own. So it puts us all on an even slate. We say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Amen. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You say, well, yeah, but I'm, you know, we we'll go going to compare am You know, at least I'm not as bad as a Christian that lives next door, you know, so I'm probably going to make it. No, you have all sinned. We've all sinned. And God said, if you're trying to be accepted by me, by based on your good behavior, then if you fail at just one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. And the punishment for that sin is death. So, again, let me get this straight. Don't come to me on your own merits. Paul points out that the standard isn't your neighbor, but God himself. So... When we want to compare or judge, we need to stop and just look at Jesus. Amen. No room for comparison amongst us. The wages of sin is death. That's There's a negative and a positive in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death in all its various forms. But the gift of God, not the payment of God for something you've done to earn it, but the gift of God through Christ Jesus our Lord is eternal life. Alright. That's the good news, folks. Then goes back to chapter to Romans 5:8. It says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, Well, I, you know, I know he forgave my past sins, but I don't know about my future sins. Well, he died for your past sins and your future sins before you were ever born. So you better hope. There's some that teach once you get saved, okay, he forget all that past, but now you gotta be perfect from now on out, or else. It drives people away from God. Romans ten thirteen. For whoever Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 9 through 13. I'm going to use a lot of scriptures today because I'm laying, I'm getting somewhere. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Hello. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. What he's talking about is those who had covenant with God and those who were heathens, or those who considered themselves righteous based on works, and then the philosophers of this world who made up their own God of their imagination based on how smart and intelligent and educated they were. For the same Lord is over all. He's rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, say whosoever. whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Okay. Okay shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Amen. By His grace, God has already done everything to provide salvation. Your part is simply to believe and receive. Amen? Amen. Is there anyone here that has not done that? Or you just don't know? Everybody's done it. Everybody's done it. Alright. I'm just going to pray this prayer anyway. Just in case there's somebody online who has not. If y'all want to pray it out loud with me. It's not unbelief. Because you've already done it. Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. To the exclusion of all others. I believe you are the Son of God. That you came and died on the cross for my sins. I believe in my heart. That God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word. I receive salvation now. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. I had a woman sitting in a church one time that I pastored for a few years. And she was sort of their go-to uh, theologian, I guess. She had been married to a preacher, a denominational which I'm not against denominations, and I always have to explain myself, but I feel like I'm starting over every week. I have to qualify everything. I'm not against anyone. We're all part of the same body. I love them all. I'm just against people being denied the truth and the whole truth. Amen. Amen. Anyway, I said one time, those who trust in the Lord will not be made ashamed. She came up to me after a service and says, where does it say that in the Bible? And I was like, it's an underlying theme throughout the entire Bible. I said, it says it, I don't know how many times, how many places, but it's a bunch. And when were you saved? By what scripture did you find out that you could be saved? Right there in Romans, doesn't it say... the scriptures about yours. Maybe you need to check your salvation. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's okay. Maybe it's not. He talks about there's no difference in the Jew and the Greek. and in, 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 the, in, the in, the, in the Bible, they use a lot of terms about Believers and unbelievers, basically, is how we can do that. Or self righteous Pharisees, hypocrites, who are trying to earn their think God owes them something for their service, either in church or just by their good deeds, and then the, the philosophers of this day. Which God God says he loves to use the foolish things of this world to confound those wise in their own eyes, you see. For years, evangelicals, spirit-filled churches have have come against the the legalists, those who make people feel unwelcome and unloved and unworthy. You see, and it feel like they've earned something. So we've come against them, and we've come out strong with the grace message: treat, peep, treat, treat. Teaching it very powerfully to the point it paints you into a corner. And then to make people say, wait a minute, are you saying that I can just go live any way I want to because of grace? See, if you're really preaching grace properly and they don't ask you that question, then you you, you haven't preached it enough. Because you got to get all the way into that corner where it sounds like you are just totally free and you are. And then you go, heavens and no. Don't go back to what God has called you out of. But the point is, we've come against legalism for so long, but now the grace message has really been out there for a while. And now the devil, he's still got Pharisees in the churches and stuff like that, trying to run people off as quick as they come through the door. But he's really working in the philosophy camp these days. This universalism, this all-inclusive, this is, oh yeah, we believe in Jesus and some others, you see. We believe we're all, they take away large portions of this word. There's no literal hell. And they'd say, well, I don't serve a, a book we serve a living Jesus, and he's just all about love, and he would never say or do anything to make anyone feel bad. This is our biggest enemy these days, and it's not the people, it's the spirit behind that. Inside my Bible, I have this written, amongst many other things. Smith Wigglesworth had it inside of his Bible. Does says, never compare this book to any other. Never think or say this book contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in value, regenerative in power, infinite in scope, infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, inspired in totality, read it through, write it down, Pray it in, work it out, pass it on. It is the word of God. The moment you commit your life to Jesus Christ, the truth of this word instantly comes to pass in your spirit. You can't discern your spirit with your natural senses. But now that you're born again, there's a brand new you. Amen. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I have a book, a chapter in my book. <laughs> but the skunk story. <laughs> Read it. See how God dealt with me about this. <laughs> because there's a point where you come to the place where you read it and you say, well, where is everything that's new? It says all things have become new. You look in the mirror and you say, that thing ain't new. <laughs> and then somebody cuts you off and you say, "You, that, this thing ain't new. <laughs> and you start saying, well, I guess it just didn't work for me or this, this stuff ain't real. You come to those kind of conclusions if you don't have the proper teaching. In your renewed spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, We are spirit, soul, and body. We are triune beings just like a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He created us in His image, and if He's a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, then the new you... You are a spirit with a soul, the mind and will and emotion. See, this is what psychology and psychiatrists, that's why it's so dangerous. I'm not against any program that helps somebody, but it doesn't take you all the way to God, you see. And it's always going to point back to you. I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm a hundred and so many days not being that. But, you know, I might slip any time because I'm still a this or that. No, you're not. Not if you have God. You're a brand new creation. All that old stuff is gone. I don't care what you came with from mama and daddy. I don't care what your personality traits are. care That's just how I am. No, it's not. It's how you were. Now you have Jesus Christ on the inside. Of you. And you need to come into agreement with you. And it'll work out from the spirit into this soulish realm that needs to be renewed. And then this thing will just follow suit. You see? As his child... This is what I'm getting to today. Is what I promised last week. And I've been trying to lay the groundwork for so many months. Almost two years now. It's hard when there's 50% of this particular body here every week they can't understand the growth path that God is trying to take you on and I'm not picking on anybody I'm glad you're here nobody wants to come to church and get in trouble for the ones that aren't there (laughs) I get that man (laughs) sometimes I don't want to come My wife said, but you're the preacher. (laughs) But as his child, your heavenly father wants to give you something. He wants to give you the supernatural power that you need to live the Christian life. He did it. I'm going to lay a little groundwork here so that you know from the word. That it's real and true. Because he did the same thing for Jesus. I'm not Jesus. You better give your heart to Jesus because your body's mine. No. When Jesus came here, he gave up all of his powers and privileges and everything. He became just like us. It had to be someone like us to redeem us. Because God gave all authority in earth to man in the Garden of Eden. And they gave it away when they believed Satan's lies and then entered in corruption into that seed of man. So see, the sin that kept you apart from God is not the things you've done. Lord knows. Whew. My laundry list is long. But you were born with the sin nature. You were already separated from God because of the separation that took place in the Garden of Eden. Everyone ever born since that time until now is born with that corrupted sin nature. And until you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and at which time it's evicted and He comes in, then everybody's fallen, you see. So Jesus... Spent 30 years of his life just preparing for a three and a half year ministry. He didn't do anything. He didn't, it wasn't like people say, Oh, Jesus, give me that, give me the raisin bran off the top shelf. You know? It wasn't like that. He had to learn to walk and talk, and they changed his diapers and all that. In Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17 says, and Jesus went. He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. This is water baptism. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. He received two baptisms that day. Water baptism, which is just an outward expression of an inner commitment or change that has taken place in us. We've repented. We've changed our minds. That's all that means. doesn't mean, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're sorry for your sin, but all it means is you change your mind about it. You change your mind. I, I didn't believe in you once, but now I do believe in you. I didn't know who you were once, but now I do know who you You just turn around and face God in that thing that you were going the opposite way from Him on. You repent. And now I want you to be my Lord and Savior. See, that's That's it. The heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Amen. He said the same thing to me. I heard Him say it. (gasps) John the Baptist was his cousin. And he foretold That this. And matter of fact, when Jesus came to him to get baptized, he says, Wait, well, you need to baptize me. He goes, No, I need you to do this so that I can fulfill the law, so that everything is be done right. That's what he came to do. But John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he Speaking of Jesus is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Matthew 3.11. 11. 11. <laughs> wow. Luke 24.49. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. This is Jesus telling the disciples before he ascended. But stay in the city, in Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high. He's telling his disciples, they've been with him for three and a half years. They've seen him do everything. They've heard him say everything he said in his whole ministry. And they're ready, prepared now more than anybody in the world to go out and spread the message. He said, no, don't even, don't think about it. Stay where you're at. My father sent in the promise that I told you about. The same thing that he got that day he was baptized with water. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Where does the power for the Christian come from? The Holy Ghost. The New Living Translation says it like this, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 7:2039 he was speaking about the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. John 14:16 and I will ask the Father Jesus said, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. John 14:26 right before my favorite scripture, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He comes to teach us and will remind you of everything that I've told you. You see, it gives you amazing recall and revelation of this word. John fifteen twenty six. When the Advocate, the Helper, the Paraclete, the one who comes alongside and takes a hold together with you... When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. So he'll he'll explain things. He'll tell you things. He'll teach you things about Jesus, and it'll make sense. Acts chapter 1. Let's get to where the Holy Spirit came after Jesus was taken up into heaven. They watched him go up in the cloud. And they just stood there staring up in the sky. And the angels stood there and said, What are y'all looking up there for? He's going to come back the same way he went. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, it must be so cool for the angels to get to come and tell us stuff like that. It's like the ones who were sitting on the stone after he got up on, on Easter morning. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? He's <laughs> not He's not here. <laughs> Ah, read, okay. Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Y'all with me? Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, "'You heard from me.' For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now go down to the next page, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost, so he was here for 40 days after he rose from the dead, and when it was seen by many people, including 500 at one time, then he was ascended into heaven, and 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were gathered together up in the upper room, and... When Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire, this is just like when the dove came, appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look down to the uh, 32nd verse. This Jesus, this is Peter. They all began to speak in other tongues. They were speaking in tongues. They were were filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning. And everybody in town goes, man, these dudes are all drunk. And Peter preaches a, a, a huge, a wonderful sermon. This is his first sermon after he'd been restored by Jesus, after denying him. He became powerful and empowered with the Holy Ghost and he stood up and he preached a spirit-filled message. And he said, "Now these guys aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning, which I always say that. used to it wouldn't have mattered to me. Uh, but he was making a point. That this is what was promised by the prophet Joel. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that this was going to be coming. That God was going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And so he said, that's what, that's what you see here. And 3,000 people were saved that day. You remember when the law was given at, at, at Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. Because, because they had sinned against God. And, and Moses got angry. You remember that? And... So here's the reverse of the curse. 3,000 people were saved the day that grace and truth came in the beginning of the church age. Okay? And believe me, and by by the way, from that day until now, until Jesus comes, nothing has changed with God. this This is that period of time, the church age, the time of grace and truth. God is not evolving. He's not changing. He's not more accepting or more judgmental he his judgment was poured out on jesus all of your sins are forgiven and everything is going to stay exactly the same in this dispensation of time this church age from then until he, we see him again okay so there were different periods of time dispensations of time there was a 1500 year period of the law but before that they didn't even have the law and judge God wasn't even holding their sins against them. You see, that was only for a brief period of time, 1500 years, so to speak, and that was only for the Jewish people. It was never meant for you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Acts 8 14. I'm just showing you some scriptures. So that was Jesus received it. Then his apostles, his disciples received it and 120 in the upper room there. So, and then now, let's look at some other cases in Acts chapter 8. Can I tell you, in all the, all the chapters in the book of Acts, it should be, they call it the Acts of the Apostles, it should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. This is telling us what church should look like and what it looked like in the early days. Nothing has changed except for the divisions and schisms of men. But if you took out all of the supernatural from this book of Acts, there wouldn't be a single chapter left intact. And it's showing us how to do church. Amen. Or me. Acts 8.14 When the apostles... Who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had welcomed God's message. These at one time had been enemies of God's people, okay? Then sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit. So they were already believers. They had already received the message of Jesus Christ. And by the way, folks, listen... He says, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Right? The day in that room when, they were doubting Thomas, I'm not going to believe it unless I see the hole in his hand and the hole in his side. I'm not going to believe that he's a, he, he was raised from the dead. So Jesus went and he, he came into a locked room and, and he showed him. He said, look at me, Thomas, put your hands in these holes, you know, on my side, my hand. He goes, it's me. And he goes, Give me something to eat. He goes, A spirit, I'm not a spirit. Otherwise, I wouldn't be hungry. I wouldn't have flesh like this. It was really him. But he had some permanent wounds that don't go away. You'll see them when you get to heaven, they'll still be there. Light shining right through his hands. But when, when Thomas did see him, he said, My Lord and my God. He was saved right then. He did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I believe he was saved. So if that answers your questions. you know, this is not a pure Pentecostal environment where until you get in front of us and we see the evidence of speaking in tongues and all that, you're not even saved. This is not that. I'm telling you that if you want more of God, if you need more of God, this is what he has provided for you, and I'm continuing to prove it so I don't run out of time. Are y'all with me? It's a good thing, folks. It's a good thing. So, they sent them down there so that they could also receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see that? Then, so it's a separate thing. And I also want you to take note that we can't put God in a box. Jesus got them simultaneously, water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. These folks received Jesus, and, and so they were water baptized, we have to assume. And then they received the Holy Spirit, which is usually what happens. But you can, you'll see throughout the Bible that it's quite opposite in, in, other, in, other, in other times. So don't ever try to paint God into a box and tell Him how He has to do something. He, he's going to prove you wrong anyway. And uh, he's God. You're not. So I just want to show you that in Scripture. <clears throat> then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 9.17. This is talking about Saul, who was persecuting the church. He was a religious zealot uh, teacher of the Jews. And he was out to kill Christians. He was getting papers so he could go from town to town and find them and drag them out of their house and, and, and persecute them and lock them up and kill them. They were used, being used for sport in the Colosseum. And they were going gladly. They were being burned alive. They were being fed to, to lions and wild beasts for entertainment. Okay? Anyway, that's what Paul was doing. He turned at Saul, he turned into the Apostle Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. You think you have regret and shame and guilt. How did Paul overcome it? Same thing we're talking about today. Alright? So, there was a man named Ananias... Not an Ananias and Sapphira, a different Ananias. But he knew, he was told to go and help Paul, or, or who had been Saul. And he's, he, he didn't want to because he knew this man was out to kill them. And then God told him, it's okay, go help him. So Ananias, in Acts nine seventeen left and entered the house. Then he placed his hands on him, on Paul, and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, um, that's on the road to Damascus, <laughs> has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he was blinded for a time after he saw the Lord. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. But Saul... So, But Saul grew more capable and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that this one is the Messiah. So he he was supposed to be showing up there. They expected him to come and help them persecute these Christians. And instead, he ends up being a preacher of the gospel for Jesus. (laughs) So that's why they were confounded by it. Acts 10.44. While Peter was still speaking these words, This is when the Holy Spirit came to the Gentiles, or who were the ones who didn't have covenant with God. And it surprised Peter very much. matter of fact, he didn't want to do it either. But God was saying, listen now, everybody's included. Grounds level for the cross. When Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speaking in other languages and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized? So see, they received the Holy Spirit first just by he- hearing the message they received. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he said, Okay, now let's water baptize them. So you see what I'm saying? It could be done in any order. Don't try to, don't try to confound God. <laughs> don't, don't grieve the Holy Ghost by telling Him what He has to do. <laughs> Can anyone withhold water... Uh, from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ then they asked him to stay for a few days so they wanted him to preach and tell them what, what was going on they had found this wonderful thing Acts 19.1 and I'm almost done here when Ap- while Apollos was at Corinth Paul passed through the interior and came to Ephesus he's on one of his missionary trips this is Acts nineteen one. There he found some disciples, okay? So this implies that these were believers in Jesus Christ, okay? He ran into some believers, and he asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they answered, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. All right. (laughs) The reason I laugh is because this is still the answer you get in a lot of churches today. I don't know anything about it. They mention him maybe in songs or whatever. But the third person of the Trinity, very, very distant to them. They don't know anything about him because their preachers uh, don't allow him in their church. And he's God. Matter of fact, uh, Jesus is very touchy when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He said, you can say anything you want about me. You talk about him, you're going to hell. <laughs> right. Basically what he said. <laughs> and I can could, I could minister on that because don't, I don't want anybody to be convicted and feel like, well, I made that one unpardonable sin and that's it. That's not the unpardonable sin. I'll, uh, another time. So... Hopefully you've come to the point where you say, Okay, preacher, you said that my Father in Heaven wants to give me supernatural power to live the Christian life. I say, Yes, He does. And here's a scripture from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 11, verse 10 and 13. And Luke says, For everyone that asketh, this is Jesus talking, these are red letters, okay? For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You know, in Matthew seven eleven, that same passage of Scripture, except where it says Holy Spirit, He says, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good things or good gifts to those who ask Him? So everything we consider good or that we need for this life and godliness is a good thing, and it's all wrapped up in the Holy Ghost. Yes. Yes. Amen. Here they're using good gifts and good things interchangeably with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. all you have to do is ask believe and receive I have seen ministers really make this difficult folks and I'm not a God bless them people used to do weird things they still do some of the weird things but I hear people say well the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I don't say that in a disrespectful way because that's a true statement but then they say he's not going to fill a dirty vessel you know what my answer is he don't have any other kind of fill right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. am I floating here <laughs> he certainly just put an exclamation yeah. point on that Because even though we may be striving to live the most godly lives that we can, we don't even have the ability to live the life of love and victory that God has called us to, that he describes, without the help of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit. It's true, I can't see your spirit, and I don't always know your soulish Intent. I don't know your motives. I'm not the judge of your true motives. God is. So it doesn't matter. That's not in my job description to judge your motives. Only God can do that. But if you really want a closer relationship with God the Father and God the Son, greater revelation of His Word, then you just need, you need this. You need this gift from God. And you just need to pray this prayer with me out loud right now. And then if you want to, you can come up and I'll lay hands on you as you pass by. And just, it's that simple. Because God is not complicated. He loves you. He wants you to have this gift more than you want it. I don't want to say that because I want you to want it. He wants wants you to ask him. He wants you to want it. And he wants it to be important to you. And he wants you to see the veracity, the truth of this. And that's why I labored through the scriptures to show you. So, and if you're listening to this sometime online in the future, we are stepping outside of the parameters of time. <laughs> this will work anytime, place, and you don't have to be in my presence. Amen. Alright, so you ready? How many of you already have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I know some of you do. Alright. You know there are scriptures in this Bible too about where the disciples who received on the day of Pentecost, they were filled again and again. Sometimes you just need a... you just gotten a little dry, you know? And you need a fresh infilling. It's, It's not a new baptism. It's just a fresh infilling. Just refill me, Lord. Reignite me. Light the fires. So those of you who have it, I shouldn't say have him, you can help the others in a minute if you want to. I don't care if you get up, walk around. I mean, we're not forcing anything on anybody. God is not that way. And I'm going to explain more about that in just a minute. But if you would, and if you want to, if you want this, pray this prayer. After me, Father God, I recognize my need for your power to live the Christian life. I am asking you now to please fill me with your Holy Spirit by faith. I receive it right now. Thank you for baptizing me, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. In my body and in my life. life. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, congratulations. Now you are filled with God's supernatural power. Now, it's important that I continue to elaborate on a few things. Because I don't want you to get stuck. (laughs) Uh, you may not feel anything. Did you feel anything when you got saved? You're glad. (laughs) You're relieved. But you may not feel anything, and that's okay. Sometimes people do. They get overcome in their physical realm and, and, and different. That's why you see people doing some funny things sometimes in certain churches where they allow them to act that way. I won't suppress it completely, but you're not going to see a bunch of nonsense in here because the Bible says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And God is a God of order, you see? And that and it also tells us that we're not supposed to be praying in tongues in church. That's our private prayer language, okay? And so I have some things that I... You know, that's why you don't see me up here doing it. And I'm not going to juggle snakes and all that nonsense either. Because that's not what he was talking about. But I just want to go on a little bit about this. If you just give me five more minutes to make some things clear to you, okay? Uh, now, here's, here's, here's where you want to get to. So, some syllables, if you allow, will begin to, to rise up from your heart. from in here. Just like you breathing out, just like you heard when when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they said he would moan in the spirit, and sometimes that's how it will begin with me. I'll just begin to moan, and I will just like the air is coming up, and then I you, you open your mouth and you allow it to come out. So, <clears throat> Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks about this a little bit, if you want to read about it. The 14th verse says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So, you see, I can read a book while I'm praying in tongues, or praying in the Spirit. And Paul said, and just like I will say quite probably confidently to you, Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I wish you all prayed in tongues. But this, he was bringing correction to them because they were doing it in church and they were using all their spiritual gifts like little spiritual babies and nobody was being edified and people that came in thought they were all crazy, you see. And so he said, look, settle down. God's a God of order. He goes, no, don't, 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 do not... Do not disallow people to pray in tongues, but God is a God of order. And so he was just bringing correction to the church. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, he said, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So as you begin to speak these syllables out loud by faith, you're releasing God's power from within and building yourself up in the Spirit. Now, I'm not just making this up. First Corinthians 14, verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth, that means to build up, strengthen himself. How many of you want to be built up and strengthened? Okay. And you can do this whenever and wherever you like. You can do this by choice. It's your personal prayer language. It may not sound like much. A matter of fact, a lot of people describe it in the beginning as like baby talk. And, and that's quite, you know, for, for macho guys especially, that's not uh, too cool. Matter of fact, it's one of the things, when I really got saved, I said, I ain't doing that. That ain't God, and that ain't cool, and I ain't doing that nonsense. And within a few days, I was. So, <laughs> so but if it does sound like baby talk, and still sometimes it actually does, but it, it will grow, and believe me i'm not thinking about that i can read this book and understand it when i'm doing that and one time i was in a in a group in florida and i was next to a korean man that i just become friends with and uh he didn't speak very good english and uh and, and this was a sort of a Pentecostal environment. So everybody, it got to a place where they were praying and, and just, and everybody began to pray in the spirit. We were praying, I think, for somebody. And man, I began to pray and it was a, I could tell it was an Asian dialect I was praying in. And this happens a lot of times. I pray in a lot of different languages and I don't know what they are. But I was praying in an Asian dialect and I wasn't doing it to mock him or any on purpose at all. I will. As a matter of fact, it doesn't have anything to do with my mind. And man, that dude turned and looked at me. And the way he snapped on me like that it was like I just read his mother's mail and uh, and he he was blessed man he whatever it was, it was something God was saying to him. He never shared with me. But I know that I know. And one day he'll tell me when we get to heaven that God had a word for him and it caused him to believe. Because see, he I don't think up to that point he was filled with the Holy Ghost. But after that day, I think he probably sought it out. I just don't know. And sometimes you don't know what good you're doing or what God's using you to do. And that's okay. When you get home, you'll find out. Amen? So, <clears throat> the other thing is this. Don't worry about God making you do it, okay? This goes both ways. In other words, you're not going to be walking through Kroger's one day and just grab the microphone behind the register and start speaking in tongues. <coughs> he's not, not going to make you do that. <laughs> but, here's the flip side of that coin, and I know some of these folks. Many people miss out even after they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which some of you just did, because they're waiting for Him to possess them and to take over their mouth. And, 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 and no, the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, like I said. He doesn't work that way. This is why you hear a lot of, of well-known Christian preachers. Uh, there are so many now that, that, that don't even deny it. They just say no. God never gave me that. He never gave me that, and that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for Him to come and take over their mouth. And then there are Christians who actually have the gift of of, of speaking in tongues, and and and, which it comes with it. It's like it's like buying a pair of shoes. It it comes with the tongues. You know, it's not a it's not a if. It's not a if. If, you know, so do I have to pray in tongues? No, you get to. But believe me, it's a good thing, and it's going to build you up. And God is a God of order, so He's not just going to make you do it and embarrass and shame you. Matter of fact, you know, this is not the gift of, of, of speaking in other tongues and then translating that, which is, which is used in the church setting. That's a whole different thing. But this is just part of your prayer language. And that's why you don't hear me praying in tongues in church. I did it just a minute ago, but just to show you that it's something I could do anytime, anywhere, and it's always a good thing. And I, and I have no idea what I'm saying. I don't think about that. I haven't learned some lines from that. And sometimes it sounds quite different. I've heard myself sound like an like a Indian, like an American Indian thing. I've heard it Asian. I've heard all kind of dialects that I sort of recognize, but I have no idea. And then others are just the the, the, the language of angels. And I, I don't know what I'm saying. But I know that it's good because I know what it is and I trust God. And I've prayed big time about this. Big time about this. I labored for you about this 14 years ago, okay? Because <laughs> I did not want to do it. And I especially was afraid to do it if it wasn't from God, okay? And that's why and right when one time I was really just, I was like, uh, I don't want... And then a minister came to me and he showed me a scripture that said, Nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit, and no one can say Jesus is cursed if there's if there's praying by the Spirit. And I said, Okay, I needed to hear that. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so Jude one it's just a one-chapter one book, so you don't even have to say chapter. But Jude had a one-chapter book in the Bible. He was a half-brother of Jesus. In verse 19, he said, these are the ones who caused divisions. He, he came out, he wanted to talk about this great salvation we've entered into. He said, but I, but I felt the need to talk to you about these... These, these people who've entered into the church and try to make the grace of God into a license to sin. He's talking about these, these negative uh, effects, these negative people who've come in, and he said, These are the ones who cause divisions, who are worldly and devoid of the Spirit, capital S. And he says, But you, in verse 20, beloved, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keeping yourselves in the love of God as you await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. So praying in the spirit or praying in tongues builds you up in your most holy faith. How many of you would like a a greater faith, a stronger faith? You already have the measure of faith, but you want to strengthen that faith like a muscle. So it builds you up in the faith and keeps you in the love of God. That's a wonderful thing because how many of you know Are you beginning to find out especially as I say we need to be reaching out into the world and touching those that Jesus died for and you're like well some of them people ain't lovely enough to love. People are not, you know, but it will build you up in the love of God. What does that mean? It's going to show you how God feels about these people, and you're going to see them as He sees them. You're going to be able to receive persecution from people out there for just choosing to live for God, and and you're going to feel sorry for them for persecuting you instead of getting mad at them and hating them, you know, like, like we used to. So it doesn't matter if you felt anything. If you believe in your heart that you received then God's Word promises that you did. So just keep thanking Him as as, he, a, a, as you go, as the days and, and weeks to come. Just continue to thank Him for filling you with His Holy Spirit. And to continue to work. And just not be afraid to practice this prayer language. And just open your mouth and let it out. And just begin to speak. He's not going to breathe out for you. He's not going to move your tongue around. You have to do it. But you'll see... And then you'll begin to see. And then you'll begin to test all these things I'm saying. You'll, you'll try to read something. You'll be able to while you're doing this. And you'll say, wow, it's a total disconnect. Even science has begun to prove these things. It shows that it's it's a different part of your brain that's praying in tongues than when you're praying in your known language. And it's totally disconnected from your, your, uh, your, your conscious mind. So it's a wonderful thing. And, and they're also proving that it brings healing and health. And it brings about all these different uh, signals that are going through the body which are positive on the body. You know, So they're starting to be able to prove some things through science, which we don't need. But I'm just saying that, that God is, is good enough to even do that. He's trying to even help those who need something scientific, even though he doesn't feel compelled to. Um, so... time. Ah. Listen, some some people are struggling with with condemnation, with a guilty conscience. Uh, It's hard for people like that to receive from God, and that's why God, He loves you so much, first of all, He wants you to understand and believe what He's accomplished on your behalf. And the reason that one of the foundational things, and that's why people talk about Bible studies and things like that. The first thing that I really implore people to do, and I really hope those get started sooner than later. I want, I want these groups from, to be sanctioned or, or blessed by this church and to build upon a solid foundation. And you need the teaching about spirit, soul, and body. If you don't, The reason is, if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, just like philosophy, I, you know, there's some brilliant people in this world, and they, they're philosophers and they're psychologists, but in the original Greek, if they, and that's what they usually will go back to and study some of these Cambridge University professors and things like that. But there's, there's really no words for the spirit. It all has to do with the soulish realm, you see. And if you're living out of your soulish realm, out of your mind, your will and emotions, it'll always point back to you. You see, you have to understand, and you'll never understand how God can love you if it points back to you. Because you'll always be thinking of all the things you've done, because the devil's the one to remind you about it all the time. He's the accuser of the brethren. And so you need to understand who you are in the spirit and that God is a spirit and how he sees you completely, just like he sees Jesus, perfected and holy, incorruptible in your born again spirit. Amen. While this thing is being renewed. So uh, in John five fourteen. There was a there was a guy that had been he'd been an invalid for like thirty eight years. I don't want to go over there because I'm I'm trying to get you out of here. But Jesus healed him. Okay, he'd been laying by the pool of Bethesda. Is that right? And uh, Jesus found him later after he healed him. The guy was just in the temple and he was you know walking around and he wasn't crippled anymore. He'd been laying there for thirty eight years. And Jesus came up to him and he said something. I want you to think about this. He said, "Behold." Thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Now, he didn't say, unless my father, if you keep sinning, my father's going to put something worse on you. If you keep sinning, I'm going to put something worse on you. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, right? Jesus never, ever, ever, he, he said, have you heard about Jesus of Nazareth? He was anointed by God with power, with the Holy Ghost. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He never turned anyone down for healing. He never put sickness on anyone. He still doesn't. God is not putting things on people to teach them a lesson. But Jesus is saying that sin causes things to come upon us. He says, sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. He didn't say it was from him because it's not. It's from the devil. Jesus said that sin causes the tragedies of our life. But he asks us to live holy so that Satan will not have an inroad into our lives. You see, because he loves us, he wants us to live a holy life. Not to earn acceptance by him, but to protect us from the one who gains legal access into our lives when we do sin. You see the difference? If somebody's doing something for your own good... You're not, you're not seeing it. If you know somebody loves you and they're doing something for your own good, then you don't hate them for that. If, you, if somebody's trying to put a burden on you that you can't do to gain acceptance from them, then you resent them and you regret them. You see, And that's what the devil wants you to think. That's not the real Jesus. Yielding to sin is yielding to a person. Satan. God doesn't impute sin to the believers. You need to know this. Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. And he's talking about those who are just like Abraham. Not people who've tried to earn it, but people who by faith have put their trust in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So if you put your trust, your faith in Jesus, God is not imputing, not counting or holding against you any sin in your life. He doesn't want you to sin because, frankly, that's not who you are anymore. Your nature's been changed. And He wants you to start finding out who you really are in Him. Second of all, it's, he doesn't. <coughs> we don't need people to go out and hurt His reputation anymore. How many of you stayed away from churches before because of the Christians who were there? That's why God is looking for people like you to go out and say, Hey man, yeah, I used to think it sucked too, but you know what? I found the real deal. And let me tell you, he's He's getting the blame for a bunch of stuff some of these people that call themselves by His name do, but they ain't His. You know? And thirdly, this thing I'm talking about is He just doesn't want you opening doors for the enemy to come in. And have legal right to bring death and destruction into your body and into your life in all its various forms, you see. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because I have just a little bit more. But that's, I think that's perfect for today. And thank you for bearing with me. I hope I have uh, brought some powerful truths to your life. This is something that you need and I hope that I presented it in a way that's not weird because Jesus isn't weird. Anything that you found odd or off the wall, that's not God. That's just me because I'm a little weird, okay? But He loves you and He wants you to have the power to walk in victory in every, every area of your life. And listen, this is a private thing. This is not something that you have to go, you know, to your family reunion and stand up in front of them and pray in tongues and let them, okay, bring it on, just say what you want. They never have to even know, really. But, you know, hopefully they'll get to the point where they look at you and they say, man, something's different about you and I want what you have. And you say, okay, well then, uh, here's uh, Pastor Will's podcast from that day. Or tell them in your own words. They'll hear you better than they would me, okay? Praise God. How many of you are blessed today by God's word? All right. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for your powerful truth, your love, your anointing. Thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you most of all for writing our name in the Lamb's book of Life. Thank you that you will never impute our sins against us. And we can rebuke that liar who comes against us, always reminding us of every bad thing we ever did. Because he is just trying to trick us into using our authority to do some creating for Him. And we're not going to do it because we love You, Lord, and we want to help You to build the kingdom of God. We want to see all of our friends and loved ones and neighbors when we get to heaven. We want to vacate hell and populate the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.